This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. We are in a new series today. We just finished up our series last week called Love One Another, and today we start a new series entitled Integrity. Um, you know, this is an exciting season for us. Next week, we will celebrate uh, six months as a church. Yeah, six months as a, yeah, amazing, incredible. Uh, and just to see what God has already done among us, uh, it's amazing. And yet, it's gone very, very quickly. Um, I can remember back a year, year and a half ago, and we thought, will we ever launch this church? We'll never get off the ground. And uh, now we are six months later after launching, and it's amazing to see uh, what God's done, us, uh, done among us. Um, I really do sense uh, that we're in a, a season where we're gaining traction, momentum, presence in our community, and that we're entering a, another season of growth that's getting ready to come. And uh, with that growth, there will be more people, uh, more children, uh, more volunteers, more responsibilities, and yes, even more challenges. Um, and we have the responsibility, as we see that growth coming, to prepare ourselves for that next level. Um, to take on all that God is asking of us individually, as leaders, and corporately, as a body, um, as a church, one of our goals, as we develop and produce disciples, is to produce healthy leaders, which would produce healthy ministries, and in turn create healthy environments for people to find Christ, to grow, and to be empowered in ministry. Because I understand that my role as a pastor is to equip you, not just for you to grow in your knowledge, faith, and how you think about your faith, but also to empower you to do the work of the ministry. Um, granted, that comes with qualifications, but it's still a mandate, a responsibility of mine. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to what? Yeah, aren't we excited about that word right there, aren't we? To do his work and to build up the church and the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Uh, John Maxwell quite often says that everything rises and falls on leadership. I am increasingly convinced that everything rises and falls on integrity. Uh, the purity of our lives and the ability to use and steward all that God is entrusting to us. When we think of integrity, um, we normally think of the definition of an adherence to a, a strict moral or ethical code. It's a, it's, we think about moral and ethical uprightness, and it is that. Um, but how, how many of you had this situation? Someone was a very bright, talented, competent, good at working deals, but there was just something about who or she was as a person that somehow got in the way of all of that ability. You ever experienced that? Uh, being a leader is more than just being competent and being able to cut deals. It has to do with who we are as a person. Um, I've also seen very honest, ethical people of integrity who are not making it in some way. They're struggling and while we would say that they're people of good character, the reality is that their personhood was still preventing their talents and their abilities from accomplishing all that was in their potential. So it's this second definition of integrity that I really want us to look at 
that will be necessary for us to go to the next level as God entrusts more to us to really begin to grow the way the Lord intends. And it's this definition. Integrity is this, the quality and the condition of being whole and complete. The quality, the condition of being whole and complete. Let me just give you an example. This, this podium here has the integrity to hold my weight. Now, granted, I'm just a scrawny little guy, but it still has the integrity to hold my weight. Um, it has the ability to hold what I, what I place on it and, and in it. If it were made of two-inch plywood, it wouldn't have the integrity to hold it. It wouldn't have the ability to sustain what I wanted to put on it. So, so what does it mean for us as people to become healthy and whole? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at that concept of integrity, what it entails, what it looks like on a very practical level. We're going to look at six characteristics of integrity that if implemented and practiced will bring a level of capacity to your life that can be sustained. Um, you know, in life, there is no shortage of talented, brainy people who are very, very good at what they do, and they're able to work the system and schmooze to get the right things done. But it's integrity that separates true leaders from wannabes. That's what separates. They have the character to not mess it up, right? Uh, real integrity, real integrity supersedes gifts, talents, and ability, real integrity brings a greater level of capacity to your life so that you can handle more. God, God is the greatest steward of all time. He entrusts what can be handled. And the more integrity you have in your life, the more God can entrust to you. You have the capacity to handle it. You can handle more in your life with more integrity. How many of you would say, that you would like for God to entrust you with more. More responsibility, more influence, more resource, more opportunity. How many would say you'd like for God to entrust you with more? Some of you would. How many, how many of you would say you're not necessarily looking for more, but that you would just like to be able to be a good steward of what you've already currently been entrusted with? Yeah? You're not looking for more. I just want to be able to handle what I currently have. That's enough, God. Thank you. In either case, listen, in either case, it's going to require a greater level of integrity for you to handle more. Luke chapter 12, very familiar passage here. To whom much is given, much is required. Maybe we could say it this way, because if, if that's true, conversely, this is true. Much will be required in order for God to give you much. Much will be required of your life for God to entrust you with more. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a passage in Exodus chapter 18. It's our text for the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at an experience in Moses' life where he models and exemplifies this idea of integrity. Um, just some context before we read the passage. Moses has already led the entire nation of Israel out of Egypt. He's confronted the most powerful man and nation on the earth at the time. They're no longer enslaved to the pharaohs and the Egyptians of their world. They've experienced miracles along the way. The crossing of the Red Sea. Food just raining down from heaven. Water coming out of a rock. They've just defeated the Amalekites. Remember the story? Joshua's down fighting the battle. 
Moses is up looking down on them with Aaron and her on both sides. They're upholding his arms. They're just coming out of that victory. And they've just set up camp. And then we see this place where Moses comes to where he feels like there's a capacity in his leadership that has hit a ceiling. Where he feels powerless to grow. And he knows that there's a lack in his leadership ability. And that's where we pick up this story. Exodus chapter 18, verse 7. So Moses, he went out to meet his father-in-law. His father-in-law, Jethro, was coming to visit him. He was bringing his wife and his two kids back to him that had been staying with him. And Moses bowed low and he kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told all about the hardships they had experienced along the way, how the Lord had rescued their people. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. Praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. Moses loves and respects his father-in-law. Not only because he's his father-in-law, but because he's been waiting for him to come and teach him some principles. He's a mentor in his life, and he's wanting his mentor to speak to him because he's at a standstill in his leadership capacity. Verse 13, And the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against one another. And they waited before him from morning until evening. Um, maybe, maybe sometimes you feel like disputes and or mediating is your main job in your family, in your work. Um, if you don't, then you probably haven't experienced what that leadership uh, place in your life brings with it. The larger a ministry grows, the larger an organizational structure grows, whether it's employees or family They are all people, and with people come some problems. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? You will find yourself in a leadership place doing exactly what Moses is doing here, sitting, listening, hearing the disputes, morning till evening. What is it that uh, they say uh, in Spider-Man? With great power comes great responsibility. Exodus chapter 18, now verse 14. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asks him a question. Now let me just remind you. This is Moses' father-in-law talking to him. Uh, you know, I, I have a father-in-law, mother-in-law in my life. There were moments in my life when I was young and ignorant and prideful when I probably may have not been as receptive to my father-in-law speaking truth into my life. Now, let me, uh, maybe, maybe I should say it this way. For the, for the women in the room, maybe it's the mother-in-law that might call you to give you some advice. Is that a phone call you look forward to? I'd just like to point out some places where you could do a better job being a mother. A better place where you could do, be a better spouse to my boy. Just remind ourselves, here, when we read Scripture, sometimes we lose these things. This is his father-in-law speaking to him, and he says this. What are you really accomplishing here? I think my father-in-law has actually asked me that question before. What are you trying to do 
You're doing all this alone with everyone standing around you morning until evening. And Moses replied, well, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. And when a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees, and I give them instructions. Listen to, listen to what he says. This is not good. This is not good, Moses. This is not good. You're going to wear yourself out. And the people, too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle by yourself. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that encouraging word. Now listen to me, he says, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. (laughs) You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all of the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes, Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. This, listen, this is equipping the saints at its epitome. Then you should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you to carry the load, making the task easier for you. And if, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures of all these people and they will go home in peace. Now, two words, verse 24, listen. Moses listened. Those two words changed the entire dynamic of Moses' leadership. Moses listened. I just want us to look at some of the principles of integrity that we see here in, in this passage. Um, I would also to encourage you, about six, seven years ago, I read a book, and it changed the way that I led, the way that I managed, the way that I built teams. Uh, it's a book called Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, he's more well-known for a book that he wrote with uh, Dr. Townsend called Boundaries. But the book Integrity deals with six principles that I'm going to parallel alongside this passage out of Exodus. And I, I think if we will take these principles... And look at them for what they bring to our lives. It will grow our capacity as leaders so that we can be ready for what God wants to do among us. The first of the six characteristics, we may just get a couple of those done today. And we'll finish up wherever we leave off. We'll we'll finish up next week. The first of the six characteristics of integrity. You want more integrity in your life? Number one, you must connect authentically. Connect authentically. Um, Think about the people in your life that you would say, well, that's a person of integrity. Or think about the people in your life that you've said they lack integrity. More often than not, what's caused you to say that is the way that they've interacted with you, the way they've responded to you, the way that you felt that there was an ulterior motive with you. Integrity is based upon our interactions with people. Um, if you want God to broaden your influence, your responsibilities, you want him to bring more capacity to your life, if you want to be entrusted with more, if you want to better handle what you've already been entrusted, you are going to have to connect authentically with the people in your life. You're going to have to do a better job of genuinely caring for people. You're going to have to engage in a way with people maybe that you've never done before. We see this 
In Moses' life, in Jethro's life, we see this. First, the ability to connect with one another. They greet one another. He bows. He kisses him. They ask each other. They're genuinely concerned about what's going on, the affairs of their life. They spend time together. They share a meal together. And then we see Moses spending time connecting authentically with the people he's responsible then to lead as well. All day doing that. Um, if, if we can't keep relationships at the center, our relationships have to stay intact. There isn't anything we won't be able to accomplish that God calls us to do if we'll keep people at the center. That's why uh, Connect Groups, this past week was our first week of meeting around the city. around the, How many this week you were in a Connect Group? You, you spent some time with some folks? Yeah, look at that. Isn't that great? Spending time with folks. Uh, it was uh, Tuesday night. I think it was the one night that Ashley and I weren't hosting someone this past week, and we were home. We were enjoying a meal with our family together, and I was walking around the house in my sweats and T-shirt, and I said to Ashley, you know what's beautiful about this? There are people all across Mount Juliet, Lebanon, Hermitage right now, growing, being discipled, being challenged, and I'm not there. This is awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, I love it, the fact that people can be developing relationship with one another, learning, growing. Um, you know, Ashley uh, did not grow up in a ministry home. She grew up in a Christian home, very strong home. They were always involved in church. Uh, but I grew up in a pastor's home seeing the behind-the-scenes part of ministry, the good, the bad. I was part of the ugly part of that at times. One of the things that Ashley found out uh, real quickly, it was a rude awakening. Uh, the good news was that uh, these folks were going to heaven. That was the good news. Um, the bad news is that they weren't going quickly enough. Um, sometimes in ministry, uh, some of you are looking like, I can't believe he just said that. That's, someone said that to me last week. They said, I, some of the things, I can't believe you actually say them out loud. Um, I, I said, well, you'd be more impressed if you knew what I didn't say. Uh, <laughs> Ashley knows what I don't say. Um, just a little survey. When we talk about people, dealing with people, um, the different personality types that we, that we interact with, it, let me just read some different personality types, and maybe if you know someone like that, you can just say, yeah, I, I know someone like that. Okay, let me just talk about this. The critic, the critic, constantly complains and gives unwanted advice. Yeah, I mean, these people, it's almost like, they're getting paid to criticize. They like doing it so much. Um, there's a difference between critiquing and being critical. You know that? You, you can be constructive. You can add some, some value. But you don't have to be critical. How about this? The martyr. Forever the victim. Racked with self-pity. I like this one. The wet blanket. Pessimistic. Defaults to negativity. I mean... These folks will find dust on the streets of gold someday in heaven. I mean, it's like, they're just looking for something. Um, how about this, the steamroller? Blindly insensitive to others. The gossip spreads rumors, leaks secrets. These are the people that just have to be in the know. I didn't know that. I didn't know, I didn't know you had to know that, that you needed to know that. Uh, the control freak, unable to let go, let it be. The backstabber, irrepressibly two-faced, the cold shoulder, disengage, avoid contact. I like this one. The green-eyed monster. They want what everyone else 
has, they just seethe with envy. What they have just isn't good enough. How about this, the volcano? The volcano is built, at some point, they're going to snap. They're just going to snap on you. The parasite, constantly in need, and they give nothing back to you. Uh, The competitor, they keep score of everything. Okay, now, as I'm reading, as I'm listing these people off, I know what's happening. Faces and names are coming to your mind. You literally see people. Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, yes, them. That's them. Uh, How many basically know someone that falls? I mean, in every one of those categories, you know someone that falls in those categories. Yeah. Aren't you delighted that you're not like that? What you don't know is that some people are raising their hand about you right now. (laughs) So glad this message isn't for me. For those that aren't here, you would never fall in any of those categories Um, If you don't think that you fall into any of those categories, um, you don't need this message. You need therapy uh, is what you need. Um, I love this story. This is kind of a management story. Uh, It's one of my favorites uh, on this idea of dealing with people. Here's the, the way this reads. A man in a hot air balloon realized that he was lost. And so he reduced his altitude and he spotted a woman below. And he descended a little bit more and he shouted, excuse me, could you help me? I promised a friend that I would meet him an hour ago, but I do not know where I am. And the woman below replied, you are in a hot air balloon, and you are hovering about 30 feet in the air, and you are in between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude, and in between 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. And he said, you must be an engineer, said the balloonist. And she said, I am, replied the woman. How did you know? And he said, well, Everything you told me was technically correct, but I have no idea what to make of your information. The fact is, I'm still lost. In fact, you've not been any help at all. If anything, you've delayed my trip. The lady below looked at the balloonist, and she said, You must be in management. I am, replied the balloonist. How did you know? Well, said the woman, you don't know where you are or where you are going. You have risen to where you are due to a large quantity of hot air, uh, you made a promise with which you know, don't know how to keep, and you expect people beneath you to solve your problems. The fact is, you are exactly the same position you were before we met, but now somehow it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, People. Some, who works at that office? Anybody work at that office? Oh, yeah. Life is filled with people. Learning how to deal with people. How, people can be difficult. In the culture we live in, highly dysfunctional, There are a lot of hurting people, and our willingness to invest in relationships is based upon how we were previously treated. So if we were mistreated or hurt, we choose not to give or invest in developing, establishing, lasting, committed relationships. And we base our relationships on convenience. What am I getting out of this? Is this good for me? Here's a thought that I had earlier this week as I was studying. This was the thought. Adversity in life and in leadership is rarely about the difficult task, but is usually about the difficult person. The the tasks that we've been assigned, uh, they're not impossible. They're not too difficult, but quite often, it's the people that we have to work with to accomplish that task that make it challenging. Can you say amen to that? And yes, this is even true at church. A few questions. A few questions for us to consider on whether or not we're connecting authentically with people. Just a couple questions. 
Are we more focused on what we have to say than who we are saying it to? Are we pushing an agenda rather than personalizing a message? Are we more focused on performance or policy than on the individual person? If you're not connecting authentically, don't expect people to open up, let their guard down, and invite you into the real spaces of their life. Just don't expect it. That's why it's important for us as a church to create a culture where people don't feel the pressure to to put on the facade. If we're not careful, we can put on the face and find ourselves trying to convince others that everything is great. Meanwhile, we're dying inside. Honesty cannot thrive in that type of environment. We become more concerned with people's perception of us rather than truly growing which might require that we admit that things just aren't that great. By the way, in case you're wondering, the world can smell disingenuous a mile away. They sense it. They know it. Uh, You might as well just go ahead and be real, because being fake is exhausting. It will wear you out. I'm talking about living an authentic, genuine faith with the recognition that we need the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. I mean, if I can just talk myself into being good and having a great day, why do I need God? If I can just say, we're gonna, where is he in that? And people know when they have the freedom to simply be themselves, it allows them to relax. We will never be effective in reaching the lost if they're constantly trying to impress us with their neat and tidy lives. We have to connect authentically. Maybe I can say it this way. Conversations lead to conversions. Don't focus on the conversion at the expense of the conversation. Discipleship will require a relationship. Listen, lost people will not get found by a bunch of directions from us. They just need a couple of people to love them. Because Jesus Jesus called us to win people, not arguments. Okay? When people are drowning, they do not need the Greek word for life raft. They just need you to throw them one. Right? This also means... That we have to connect authentically in every relationship on every level. This principle applies to every relationship across the board. Boss to employee, manager to team, parent to child, husband to wife. Yes, I I I want one thing. You better be connecting authentically with your spouse, guys. Don't expect to have a ministry if you're not connecting with your spouse. That's a recipe for disaster. Um... Your, your marriage, let me just say this, your marriage doesn't necessarily qualify you for ministry, but it can certainly disqualify you. Guys, connect authentically with your spouse. In fact, maybe I can just say this. Um, maybe some of us need to focus on connecting authentically with people, on diving into community, 
on being faithful where we currently are rather than just trying to figure out what our next platform and leadership assignment is. Maybe. Maybe if we just plant ourselves where God currently has us, connect with those people authentically, and worry about what my next big platform is later. Healthy ministry flows from healthy family. Always. It never works conversely. Healthy ministry will flow from healthy family. Uh, one of my greatest pet peeves, I told Ashley, if you ever see me doing this, just take me out and shoot me and put, put me down. I'm, when I'm attending a, a convention or a conference, sometimes even after service, and you're talking with someone, and you see them looking over your shoulder, looking for the more important person to talk to. Ever experienced that? I will just lose it. Um, you have to connect. I'm telling you, I will. We all have our issues, right? You ever been around people like that, though? Always looking. Who's, gonna, who's the next stepping stone to get me where I really want to get to? That's not connecting authentically. God calls us to be people that know how to handle our relationships. And if we don't, then our capacity will never grow. Okay. Second thing. We'll cover just these two this morning. You have to connect authentically. Secondly, you have to operate in reality. Operate in reality. Second principle of integrity. Moses' father-in-law helps Moses in this way. And he asks him, what are you really accomplishing here? What are you trying to do? You're doing this all alone. Uh, Jethro just says it like it is. And he, he says, okay, let me get this straight, Moses. You are going to personally settle all of the disputes, every dispute among hundreds of thousands of people. As soon as the sun rises and sets, all day long you sit, and that's what you're going to do. That's got to be exhausting. Something has to change in his leadership style. And it takes someone from the outside coming in, looking in and analyzing it and saying, I don't know if you see this or not. I love the way uh, Spencer Johnson says this. He says this, Integrity is telling myself the truth. Quite, quite often, we think of integrity as I don't lie to people. Uh, it is that, but it's also not lying to yourself. It's being able to operate in the realm of reality. Two things in your life. If you're going to operate in reality, you're going to need two things. Number one, you're going to need another voice and perspective in your life. To operate in reality, which requires that you have honest, transparent, accountable relationships in your life. Question, do you have people in your life that have the permission to speak truth? And do you listen to them when they do it? Without that, you will not operate in reality. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Now we have more faces coming to our mind right now. <laughs> this, is where, uh, this is where I'm so grateful for my wife. You know, when we first got married... I thought that she was a pessimist. Uh, I'm the consummate realist. I see the good. I, we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And half the time she would go, that ain't ever going to happen. I promise you, that ain't going to happen. And I would go like, man, you're like Debbie Downer. Like, everything's down. Now, 20 years later, I've realized she's not a pessimist, but she is a realist. And she helps me. So I listen to her. I have a voice in my life that goes, honey, I don't know if you see this or not, but that probably ain't going to happen. Don't get your hopes set up too high there. 
uh, unless you have people around you that you truly listen to, you may be disconnected from reality and truth. True friends are few friends. It's very simple. True friends are few friends. You have to have a few people in your life that speak truth and you listen to Proverbs chapter 17. Verse 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. True friends. True friends do three things. They do this. They, they speak truth to one another. True friends speak truth to one another. They love you so much, they speak truth, but they wrap that truth in care and love and concern. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. True friends do this. They refresh one another. Proverbs 27, 9. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Isn't that beautiful? That's what true friends do. Think of it this way. Let's, let's think of it this way. In your relationships, you are either a plus to people or a minus to people. You are either adding value to or you are pulling them down, subtracting from them. I'm either making deposits or I'm taking withdrawals. So here, here's the question. What do people think when they see your number come up on their phone? Now, we all have those people. Don't look at me like that. you got people in your life. You see that number come up and you're like, I don't have time for that today. I cannot do that today, Jesus. I'm going to extend a hand to my phone and just bless him, Jesus. I do not have time to deal with that today. Can't do it. What do people think when they see you coming? Do they think, I see some encouragement coming my way? Listen, I don't think that people that are minuses do that intentionally. I don't think they wake up and go, I cannot wait to mess up some people's lives today. This is going to be great. I don't think they do that. I don't think, sometimes I don't even think they realize they're messing people's lives up. Um, but we're all selfish by nature. We're always looking for how people can invest in us, give to us. What have you done for me lately, baby? A true friend, though, a true friend refreshes you. Okay, last thing that a true friend does, they sharpen one another. They refresh one another. They sharpen one another, right? Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Tell me what happens when iron hits iron. You see what? That's a friend? That's a friend sharpening you, refining you, being honest with you. How many would like to have a friend in your life that does those things for you? Sharpens you, refreshes you, is honest with you. That's not, that's not a relationship question. That's an IQ question, right? Um, John Maxwell, in his book, The Law, The 21 Irrefutable Laws, has one of those laws as the law of magnetism. The law of magnetism, which basically says this. We attract who we are. We attract who we are. Who you are is who you most likely will attract. I, I love sitting down with employers and I love listening to them describe the type of people that they want to hire. Ooh, I want to hire discipline, good attitude, good work ethic, integrity. And I just say, well, is that you? Is that you? Because if that's not you, don't expect to attract employees that are like that. Um, it, be- it begins with us becoming the right person. 
healthier. Because who we are determines how we see others and how we attract others. It starts with me being the right person. If someone were to ask Ashley, hey, does Devin make you happy? More than likely, Ashley would go, no. No. I realized about six months in, Devin wasn't going to make me happy. Why? Because Ashley realized the only person that can make her happy is her. Her and Jesus. And if she's looking for me, now, I would hope that she would say that Devin has added immeasurably to my happiness. But if she's looking for me to provide that, we have to become the right person first. I see this a lot. You've got to look at yourself in the mirror. Okay? Second thing that you're going to need to operate in reality is this. You have to understand your strengths. Understand what you are good at. Who God has designed you to be. Um, be self-aware enough to accept and realize that you don't do everything well. I, I see this a lot especially in the church, people, people actually fighting against who they innately are and they almost become discontented with their own gifts. All actors want to be singers, all singers want to be actors, right? We, we, we look at what we want to be rather than who we really are. You be you. And then have people in your life that are strong where you're weak. Because being your best. Being your best is entirely different than trying to be better than someone else. You be, you be the best you that God's called you to be. Com- com- comparison's a killer. It's a killer. It will rob you. Constantly striving to... Uh, these, are the, these are the kids you see on American Idol that are convinced that they can sing. And their parents... Did not love them enough to say, honey, you aren't good. And they now let them embarrass themselves on national TV. Is that love? That's not love. Yeah. What's the Bible say? The enemy is the one kissing all over you, telling you look great. True friend says, that's terrible. You need to find something else. That's not good. These, listen, these are the kids that I coach on Saturday whose parents think they're going to be the next great thing, and they don't have a clue. Unathletic uncoordinated, and now I'm stuck with them for the next four months trying to coach them. And they're wanting to know, why isn't my little girl playing? Because she stinks. That's why she's not playing. She stinks, and I want to win. That's why she's not playing. Yeah, it's not about winning. It is in my book. It's about winning. Yeah. I've lost, and I've won. You know which one was more fun? Winning. Every time winning was more fun. We learn so much when we lose. I've learned enough then. I just want to win. I want to win. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, listen, now this is third to fifth grade girls. This is the most frustrating thing you'll ever do in your life. Third to fifth grade girls coaching basketball. Two weeks ago, we're up 13 to two with 30 seconds in the game. You know what I'm doing? Full court press. I don't care. You run them into the ground, right? We don't just want to beat you. We want to destroy you, stomp you right into the ground. These are the lessons we're teaching our kids. I'm sorry. Yeah. Be self-aware enough to know what you're good at. We live in a town where everyone's a star, everyone's a songwriter, everyone's a singer. Well, we live in a town where everyone thinks they're a star, everyone thinks they're a songwriter, and everyone thinks they're a singer. Who do they have in their lives that loves them enough to say, that's not a good song? It's not a good song. It's bad. 
It's important. You have to have another voice and perspective, and you have to understand your strengths. It just goes to show that if, if we're not operating in reality, we will end up living in some fantasy land that we create. So out of touch. And listen, this, this is across the board age-wise. Maturity does just, doesn't always just come with age. Sometimes age comes by itself all alone. <laughs> but we, listen, God puts people in our lives be open to connecting with them in an authentic, real way. Not what we can get from them. In an authentic way, in a real way. Lost people, people of influence in your office, in your business. Are you connecting authentically? Are they just a task to you? Are they a person that Christ died for? Are you listening? Are you, are you hearing the people that God's put into your life so that you can operate in Reality, I promise you, these are the gifts of life that he allows to come into our life and build us. They bring capacity to your life. You want more? You want to be able to handle more? Relationships, I'm telling you, are the key in your life to doing that. Lord? Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School. Or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.